0: all right welcome back to another episode of three dudes one hoop my name is mike as always i'm here with my boys easy and benny and it's week one of the 2021 2022 nba season we made it and let me tell you guys there's some high drama in the nba going on right now uh we're gonna get into some ben simmons talk some Kyrie talk and of course the great games we had i don't want to have those situations overshadow the slate of really good games we've had so far up to date um so we'll get into some of that i want to kick off though first about ben and kyrie just because it's really difficult to place an nba history kind of what's going on with both of these players um you know they're they're both in these unique situations and it feels unprecedented in a lot of ways especially uh when you talk about kind of kyrie's situation where it's it's a vaccine issue we're not sure where he stands on it it's very vague um And Ben, you know, he's doing kind of what you've uh, seen before, right? This isn't a new story of a player trying to leave their team, trying to force their way out. Um, But so much of the back and forth between front office and player, you typically don't see this, right? I mean, as you guys know, when a player wants to leave, they usually leave. So the question is, why is this taking so long? We know that the 76ers don't necessarily want him anymore. He's burned all those bridges, at least feels like it. but there's just a lot of back and forth that we typically don't see in these type of situations, um, at least lately, right? So, But at the end of the day, I think both are kind of two sides of the same coin uh, when you talk about player empowerment, right? Kyrie's a guy that wants to uh, determine his own destiny. He doesn't want to be told what to do. We saw it in Boston. We saw it in Cleveland. We're seeing it here with the Nets, all for different reasons. But at the end of the day, it's the same thread that he's pulling on. He doesn't want to be controlled. He wants to be Uh, his own decision maker and doesn't want to be held down by any institution or any uh, person in power. And on Ben Simmons side of the coin, we're kind of seeing, again, another familiar story play out with player empowerment. A guy wants to leave. He's under contract for $170 million over the next four years. He's got 34
1: mil next year.
0: It's insane. I mean, we haven't seen really a situation where a player has Especially because like, this is a part of his rookie extension or max extension. This is part that of his rookie signed.
1: extension, um, like after the first four years. So right. this is we're in like year two, I think, of five or year three of five. We're not towards the end of this contract.
0: Yeah, he still has a long way to go. Um, yeah. And, you know, like you were saying, easy. this is part of his rookie extension. And yeah. you usually don't see guys this disgruntled so early in their, their career already willing to to leave especially at his where he is on the contract we have so many years left um so kind of where where am i going with all this so in a way i feel like as fans in, in the nba there's really three uh relationships that are, are important to make the whole league work right it's the front office the you know the institution of these different uh teams right the executives the owner uh then you have the players themselves the star players that drive everything and then you have the fans Again, well, if you talk to, to a fan, they'll probably also tell you that they drive everything, right? Because at the end of the day, it's their money that's just spent. Um, so you have this, these, uh, you know, this chain of relationships that you have to hold up. And you know, fans aren't stupid. We all know and recognize that there is kind of a veiled insincerity when you talk about. Uh, you know, a player saying, oh yeah, these fans are the best uh, fans in the world. And then they jump ship to another franchise and they'll say the same thing about the other city. <laughs> it's, it's insincere, but they're just doing it to kind of win over the fan base. And, you know, it, you see it again in conferences and, and press conferences with the media. They, say, they all say the same generic player talk. Oh, I got to be more aggressive. I, you know, my, I give credit to my team. I give credit to my coach. There's just so much insincerity in, in, in this kind of dynamic between owner and player and fan. And, you know, I think we're kind of seeing it all come to a head where it's never been so obvious before, <laughs> right? Between players, you know, again, just to go all the way back, even to, um, Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan, if you all saw the last dance at home, you can really draw a straight line to that, to LeBron, to what's going on today. Um, it's kind of all building towards this moment of, well, what's the breaking point, right? When do these insincere relationships? just fall apart. Uh, You know, again, talking about Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, we saw Scottie Pippen felt that he got screwed over by Jerry Krause, uh, got signed to a really shitty contract that he didn't like, and ultimately was really disgruntled with Michael Jordan. uh, He was never going to get re-signed by Jerry Krause, left to go play for the Washington Wizards, was promised ownership, and guess what? He didn't get it. So He was used the whole way through. Players are smart. They see these types of Uh, lies that they're getting told to this insincerity that they're getting presented to by the owners so what do they do they they learn from it LeBron James uh Anthony Davis James Harden Jimmy Butler right they they all are guys who in the past five years you know five seven years have done what's best for themselves and are not willing to be controlled not willing to be fed and uh eat these lies by owners and just kind of you know take the power into their own hands, determine their own destiny, force their way to teams and better situations for themselves. You can't, as a fan, you can't hate that. You gotta, you know, you gotta understand where they're coming from because at the end of the day, the owners are just in it for themselves. The players are also in it for themselves. The fans, you know, they really don't have enough power uh, at the end of the day to, to lash back at, at, at the players and the owners. Um, and really the fans are the only ones who are sincere because yeah, you know, if you're on their team one year, they're going to love you. And if you're, not on their team the next year they're going to hate you but at the end of the day they're going to tell you what they what they feel they're not going to be insincere and give you some bullshit um so you know the fans just got to eat it at some point and you've heard me on this podcast talk about with Russell Westbrook I was sick of the super team stuff um but in general I am a pro, pro player guys I don't know about you easy and Benny but um I am pro player in general but now we're in a situation with Kyrie and Ben where it's like an Evolution of evolution of player empowerment that they can just do whatever they want and just really not suffer any consequence for it, make their teams worse. Uh, you know, in, in Ben's case, he's making himself worse because he's really not improving on the things he needs to improve on for the long term. And in Kyrie's case, he just may never play in the NBA again at this point if he really draws it out to its logical conclusion of not getting the vaccine. So the question is, and I, I guess I'll throw it to you guys, um uh, what do you think is going to happen in both situations and what in jet, ge- how in general do you feel about player empowerment in the NBA? Has it gone too far? Or are these guys just like, is this just a logical evolution of everything that's happened in NBA history? And is just going to keep going from here. Is there anything the NBA can do? It's, it's kind of crazy. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you guys.
2: Um, I, I guess like um, to your point, Mike, it's kind of, you were saying you started off with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, and then there was issues with Kobe Bryant as well, in the Lakers, LeBron James, obviously. And now we're seeing today Ben Simmons and Kyrie. Obviously, there are different reasons to what we saw back then. but it's And Michael Jordan as well was a good point with the Wizards and the whole ownership overdeal. But it's just kind of like every generation of superstar player kind of learning from past experiences that other superstars have had in their shoes. So they kind of take all that into account, and they mold it into how... Like it, like Ben like Kyrie Ben Simmons they say how did Kobe Bryant's situation Michael Jordan's uh, situation how does that apply to me and my situation and what are the lessons that I can take from that so I can apply it and I can make sure that I'm in control of everything that I have going on in my life but this stuff with um with Kyrie even more so with uh, Ben Simmons is really fascinating because I try to see I try to see both sides kind of to every argument right especially as a neutral that's kind of that's the best way to look at it so you can kind of draw your own conclusions without any sort of biases it's really difficult to see where this goes because in a way it kind of pulls both ways like like Kyrie Irving there's a lot of people like Kyrie Irving for better or for worse there's a lot of people that feel the way Kyrie Irving does yeah and there's going to be a lot of people obviously that maybe within the own Nets organization that understand where Kyrie is coming from whereas People, a lot of people understand where the Brooklyn Nets are coming from, and it's like you can't just play half the games in our season when we need you for a title push. Yeah, and it's like you just you don't know where this is gonna end. You don't know where this is gonna end. It's really difficult. I don't know easy how you feel, but that's kind of where I stand as far as the Kyrie and and the Brooklyn and the vaccine situation. My honesty is, I have no idea where (laughs) this ends. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea how to like analyze the situation for this uh for the Ben Simmons stuff it's like it's a a lot of it has to go to Ben Simmons at this point because we the same issues that he had that culminated in last season's disaster are the same issues that he has had ever since he came into the NBA and I've made I've kind of made the point to you guys off pod the off yeah right off the pod that I didn't like how the 76ers have used them or like what they've kind of tried to make them be um but that's still being said, you know, the 70 sisters, Doc Rivers and Colangelo and these guys, they're not the ones playing on the basketball court, right? It's Ben Simmons. The one that has to deliver on the basketball court is Ben Simmons. The one that keeps their, the jobs of the Doc is the Browns, the Colangelos, and these guys, uh, Elton Brand, is Ben Simmons. A lot of it, so a lot of it naturally has to fall on his shoulders. So this whole thing that he's doing now, where one day he storms off the court, Tells Doc Rivers to basically fuck off. I don't want to take part in this. Ironically, I am, ironically, I think it was a defensive drill, which was really supposed to be good at. He didn't want to fucking do it. That's he didn't want to do it. Yeah. The only thing he's good for, basically, at least now we've seen, <laughs> he didn't want to fucking do it. So, what does that tell you about where his value is right now? When every NBA team knows that, damn, now. that's a good point. But he doesn't want to try on defense now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. So you think about it like that, and but then the very next day, you know, he's talking. He's telling his teammates saying, you know, I'm sorry, my headspace is now where I want it to be right now. But then that problem then brings up the rest of the locker room where after Ben Simmons stormed the locker room, Joel Embiid says, I don't care about that guy. And then the next day when he's sapping about to his teammates, uh, Tobias Harris says, you know, we're with him to the very end, whatever, when he's ready to come back, we'll embrace him. That's obviously not true because the biggest voice in that locker room, obviously, Joel Embiid doesn't give a fuck about that guy. And so yeah, there's obviously going to be you know, division within that within that organization as well. Two very strong characters were like, or very popular players, Ben's big players in Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving having kind of having the rifts within their organizations, but two completely different reasons.
0: Yeah. Now there's all these competing agendas, right? Even between, uh, teammates. So how do you feel about
1: everything that's going on? So in the case of Kyrie, I'm not, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. The NBA gave players a choice. You can play, you don't play you know the consequences for both Kyrie's aware of what he's doing the Nets are aware of what he's doing the NBA is aware of what he's doing so if the man is comfortable doing what he wants to do he's good that's it like whether everyone else wants to decide whether or not he's doing the right thing or the wrong thing that is the fans that are deciding that which is now the fan empowerment I guess of like (laughs) having the choice of whether or not to think that Kyrie's making a mistake or not I guess that's our prerogative but in terms of Kyrie the NBA and the Nets this is what it is and everyone has a choice in the league to whether they want to work or not like the problem is that the Nets the problem arises
2: when the Nets don't agree with the decision that Kyrie's
1: entitled to right 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 but that's what I'm saying but like that's the situation that you're in the NBA is the only I guess or like sports in general I guess the only industry where you're expected if you have a contract to never quit like (laughs) pretty much like, like so that's what I'm saying like if a player does it, I get why everybody's freaking out yeah. about it. But at the same time, like of all players, if you would have told me even before the pandemic, who is most likely to quit playing basketball, I would have probably said Kyrie. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, So mm-hmm. this and like, whether or not he comes back or not, whether I don't think he retires. I just don't see a universe where that happens, like for the rest of his career. Um, But like, if he sits out a season, Michael Jordan did it. Like, why won't Kyrie do it? So like, yeah it doesn't surprise me at all and even Scotty Scotty Pippen sat out half a season like or most of the season I'm pretty sure so it's like all right so like yeah, so I with Kyrie mean, it's that's, just, that's, it, that's it's fascinating
0: it's fascinating cuz it's just Kyrie's if he keeps going this way and the NBA doesn't budge or the <laughs> nets don't budge or the city of uh Brooklyn doesn't budge right um you know the natural conclusion that he just doesn't play this year never yeah. plays again right cuz coronavirus isn't going anywhere these mandates aren't going anywhere. I mean he'll play soon.
1: again at some point. It just won't be in within the time frame of the Nets, which I agree, then becomes but that's the, the issue.
0: That's the issue. So who's gonna give, right? Where along the chain of, of of these relationships between executive player and in this case, I guess state, but you know, it's really just between the NBA and the team. Uh right. who's gonna give, right? Because somebody's gonna give. That's that's the 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 key uh you know the, the, so the he, common denominator in all yeah. these cases that some the, the the player usually doesn't give it's usually the teams that give so
1: but the thing is is that even if the nets give let's say they trade him no contenders trading for Kyrie, and Kyrie has already stated if it's not a contender he's not playing so yeah. either way you're in a situation where he's not going to play if he's on a bad team and he's not going to play if he doesn't get the vaccine so or if the city of brooklyn doesn't change their mandate so point being the Kyrie situation Kyrie's going to do what he wants to do. The Nets are going to have to do what they want to do. This is why they got Harden, too. This is the reason why you get a third player, because if something happens, let's... Because for all we know, we could just say that, like, for example, like, if Kyrie got injured during the season, you would still have to rely on Kevin Durant and James Harden to carry you to the championship. So this is adversity. Kyrie is not injured, but he's not playing. So guess what? You got to figure it out. The best teams have to figure it out. That's what Brooklyn has to do. In the case of Ben Simmons, I... I don't even know, man, I, with, with Ben Simmons, like the whole situation is just you don't know who's in charge of what. You don't know whether this is Ben Simmons really doing it, whether this is Rich Paul and his representation telling him to do these things. We don't know if it's the culture in the Sixers. I doubt it's the culture in the Sixers, if I'm being honest. But again, this is like, for example, like Ben Simmons wasn't the guy that this managerial like team drafted. This was a Sam Hinky choice. So. They're not exactly like in tune with like, we really want Ben Simmons here. Like they're not of that mindset at all. So the main issue now is that you have a GM who is notoriously known for trying to get the most for the value that he has in a trade. And the issue is, is that Ben Simmons has no value, but what's going to happen? Who's going to budge? Is it going to be Ben Simmons or is it going to be Daryl Morey? Because what Daryl Morey is not going to do is he's not going to trade Simmons right now. It just doesn't make any sense. It, it, it just, I, as a manager, you're not going to do that. But at the same time, you have to play him. If you're hoping to raise any va- if there's any hope of raising the Ben Simmons value, and let's say it's not even for this season. Let's say you're trying to trade him next season. Because again, this isn't the end of his contract. He has multiple years left. What I would try to do, which might seem insane, is run it back with Ben, raise the value again, run this whole sequence of events all over again where he's not going to do well in the playoffs, And then trade him at that point at the end of the season, because at the end of the day, not at this point, unless this thing changes every day. So I don't know. But at this point, you're not going to raise the value of Ben Simmons unless you play him. And it's up to at this point, really it's up to Ben Simmons and his representation to decide whether or not he's ready to play or not, whether that's because of a mental health issue, which again, I don't want to invalidate that. Maybe that is the case. Maybe with everything that has happened in Philadelphia, with the fans, with the ownership, with, the players themselves, maybe there's something going on there that we don't know. So at the end of the day, this is up to what Ben Simmons, again, we're talking about player empowerment. It's Ben Simmons at this point. The team can only do so much at this point to accommodate or try to make him feel comfortable at this point. But then again, like, we don't know what goes on behind those doors. For all we it's, know, Daryl moore has yeah. been trying to shop this guy for months. And we well, tried you know, to shop this- for Harden right yeah. so what, that, that's what i'm saying and that's that's been going back since last season so right how can you expect ben simmons to also be comfortable in an environment where every season he's in a trade rumors like and i'm not trying to defend ben simmons as like the developmental aspect because he sh- he definitely needs to develop into a better player so that's no excuse for him but it's really hard with the distractions in philly where he's getting the sole blame for everything to see yourself on that team like you can't really blame ben simmons for wanting to leave at that point so in terms of the whole issue it it's going to keep going and you know, we're it's, just gonna to have to see it.
0: Yeah. It's very complicated and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the the key conflict is that Maury and the Sixers need this guy to play to build his value. But the whole monkey wrench that was thrown in today is, you know, he may not be ready to play because of mental health, which is totally valid. Like you said, uh, and it's back. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, as fans, you kind of have the reactions all over the place with fans these days. It's, you know, pro player empowerment, pro mental health, which I think we're all, we're all pro those things. But at the same time, you, you know, years of fandom, years of, of just knowing sports, you know that there's insincerity uh, that could be presented at all these relationships, like I was saying before. So you question: is this really going on? Is this really legitimate? Is he just doing it so he gets his game checks? Uh, you know, I hate to think that that's what he's doing it for. You certainly, that's not the case because that really undermines everything that TNBA stands for when it comes to mental health. Um, but at the end of the day, you just have to give him the benefit of the doubt and, and hope that he figures it out. So it's, it's going to be really both these cases with Kyrie and Ben, it's going to be kind of a keystone moment for player empowerment versus ownership and executives, what they can do and can't do. I mean, it wasn't really that long ago, I mean, it was probably less than 100 years ago that free agency wasn't even a thing and, and owners just uh, were able to move around contracts. It wasn't until a, a player in baseball broke through and did that in the 50s. Um, so, you know, in the grand scheme of history and, and, and sports history, um, you know, even those types of milestones uh, didn't occur, you know, that that uh, long ago. So we're going we're to see we might be seeing history in the making with these two guys and just in general uh, with player empowerment. So, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, but I think we're ready to move on to the games. Right. So, 100%, you know, let's do it's it. been high drama this week, but the games have been incredible. There's a ton of stuff to go over um you know contenders uh have been I think every major contender has played already uh every, game,
1: every team has played one game now
0: yeah so every team At has least. played one game there's been great matchups we got we had Lakers and Warriors on opening night Nets and and Bucks. yesterday we had the the Heat and, and the Bucks uh, or yeah Heat and the Bucks. um so there's been a, a ton of great games I, I guess I'll throw it over to you Easy. what uh what game did you want to talk about or key on uh or well, how did, how did you want to i think we're
1: players? gonna start off yeah. with the major teams and then i can mm-hmm. just go off the league past teams that i watch because i have no life um so <laughs> we can we can start with the miami heat since you guys are both miami heat fans and this oh, is a mainly baby. miami heat, heat go right fan into pod yeah.
2: um can't contain I, my smile i'm gonna <laughs> let,
1: <laughs> i'm gonna let you guys get into this one because i didn't watch the game um that much personally because i saw it was a blowout and there was no point of me tuning in at that point so Go for
0: it. Yeah, go ahead, Benny. I mean, just in case you didn't know, the Heat won yesterday. What was it, 137 to 96? uh, Something like
1: that. I think it was like a 38-point win.
0: So it was just, you know, insanity blowing out the defending champions. So uh, what did you see from the game? What was your main takeaway, Benny?
2: I think it needs to be said before we start, obviously, that this is the first game, you know, that that this is not going to be, like, indicative of that the Miami Heat are going to score 137 points a game. And God, I hope so. It also needs to be mentioned that, yeah, right. It also needs to be mentioned that um, what was it that the Bucks were missing key players? They still had Giannis and Middleton, their two best players, but they were missing uh, Lopez. They were missing Portis, and they were missing Holiday Holiday. as well. Yeah, they're missing Divincenzo guys like that. They were basically.
1: We don't really count DiVincenzo because he wasn't a part of the team. Like he was part of the team, but he was already injured yeah. when they won the championship. That's so, true. So yeah, like yeah. I don't really count that. As yeah, a loss he's still as like
2: a mainstay in the squad at least for a little bit. Yeah, right?
1: when he's healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
2: and basically there are a lot of the guys they are rolling with are going to be KZ's teammates on the on the Guajong Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Guajang next Tigers. season, but yeah. <laughs> I don't even know That's how you pronounce it. But no, like I like obviously the Bucks perspective. Absolutely terrible. Like this is now what you would expect from them after the performance that they put out against um, against the Brooklyn Nets, you know, yes. their first game on the road and they did not show up at all. Giannis struggled. Middleton struggled mightily. And that's all you, like, you could really say about them. You know, the game was you, it's hard to say that a game could be over in the first quarter, especially against the defending world champions. But it really was because the Heat were able to kind of keep that momentum from the first quarter up until the even the fourth quarter. They ended up blowing him up by I think about forty-two points or something. Yeah, from final scores
0: one thirty-seven to ninety-five. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think
2: there's I think there's more to say about the Heat in this case. You know, the Bucks. Yeah. It was just it was a one-off for that. I, it, I think we all agree that's a one-off for them. They're that's yeah, not that's, gonna ha- yeah, That's, 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 that's not probably not gonna happen. My opinion on that doesn't change. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. I think there's more to say about the Heat because even though the Bucks are missing all these key players, I do think it was a, a very impressive performance that even the Heat fans on this pod were probably were not expecting. I'll go and say, Mikey, we're not expecting this. Definitely I not. not. I okay. was not,
0: especially since they had a day between the opening game and today, so it was or yesterday, so it wasn't a back to back. Right. This is, right. you know, yeah, yeah. I would have expected this off a of back to back maybe, but yeah, this was not yeah.
2: expected at all. This team hasn't played together. The only player that I would say kind of underperformed a little bit was Kyle Larry. That's just from a yeah, injury, from too. a scoring perspective. Yeah. He did roll his ankle, but as on a playmaking me- playmaking perspective, I thought he was really good. His, his, um, his initial instinct of looking for outlet passes up leading up the court, his, his ability as a floor general to keep everybody in their position on the court. The offense just looks a lot more organized. It looks a lot more crisp, more fluid. And Obviously, it's going to be a credit to our exposure, right? He's the head coach. But a lot of that, I think, has to go to Kyle Lowry. And just the, because Dragic, as much as we love Dragic, as good as he was for, for the team, he wasn't that guy. He was a score first guard. Yeah. And Kyle Lowry just completely changes that. And he's, and Bam out bio, if this is the Bam at bio that we should be expecting from now on, then there's a lot to be excited about. If, especially if you're a He fan, he's hitting those elbow jumpers very consistently and very confidently. I think needs to be said. He's taken them very confidently. And this evolution of Amadabaya is looking very, very nice. I thought PJ Tucker played really well last night. Chris Middleton, I was actually looking at it before, or excuse after the game. Chris Middleton was 0 for like 6 against PJ Tucker. That was really huge for the Heat. And he was hitting his outside shots. Even fucking Dwayne Demon hit a 3. That was the kind of night it was for the Miami Heat. Tyler Hero. <laughs> yeah,
0: everything was going in.
2: Tyler Hero was very impressive. He looks much improved from last season and much improved, obviously from his first season where we saw you, we might've even seen a regression. We thought in year two, but in year three, you know, the kind of breakout that we were starting to expect based off his preseason performances, looks like they're taking off. He had about 20 points in 18, 19 minutes and the rest of the team is just, they're, they're looking good. They're, they're here looking good. There's a lot to be excited about, I think for them.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Benny hundred percent. I really liked what I saw from bam. It's, basically what he fans have been wanting to see in terms of aggressiveness and just willingness to uh shoot that elbow and be confident about it have that elbow jumper he had 13 rebounds yesterday you know that's something that we've been wanting to see is an improvement on his rebounding numbers again it's just one game but I that, you know it's encouraging i guess a team with size in Milwaukee that he was able to to get that those numbers PJ Tucker you know this is a guy who I think a lot of went under the radar for all the time that he was in Houston um, just because the things he was doing is like, you know, a lot of the nitty gritty stuff. But something that's really impressive is that he was among the league leaders in and percentage at the corner three spot. So he, if for shooting from the corners, he's almost deadly. And, and again, playing at, at his position, that's really important for what the Heat want to do, uh, especially when you have Jimmy Butler out there. Um, so it's just we have a lot more space to operate. Um, Tyler Hero was great. Uh, we'll see if, if he can keep that up. So I'm I'm just curious to see kind of where they go from this. From, from you know, as, as far as he goes, we'll see. You know, can can they keep this up? Um, from the Bucks perspective, it's like we said, this is like you know, you throw away the game tape. It, it, you know, it, it can. If if I'm in the the Bucks locker room or a Bucks fan, I'm saying to myself, well, it's just a hangover from opening night when we. Uh, had the ring ceremony and put the banner up, and you know they had that awesome yeah. game against the Nets. So it's just like a hangover game, like you know, throw away the tape and move on. Yeah, Uh it's so, kind of you know. like
2: the, it's kind of like the, like kind of like it feels like the Denver Nuggets had that game circled against the Phoenix yes. Suns after the yes. Phoenix yes. Suns blew them out. Yeah. For the Phoenix Suns, it was kind of like a, you know, whatever first game of the season. Like you can tell, it was kind of the same mentality for the Miami Heat and the Bucks. Obviously, yeah. beating the Nuggets. Yeah,
1: absolutely, I agree. The Heat so, had something it, it, to prove that game. They had to win that game. Yes. At least yeah. for the confidence to start the season. Like, they needed to start the season on the right note. You don't want, like, a close – like, even if it was a close loss, I think it would have still been a win for the Heat just because they kept it close compared to – I mean, like, that first round was awful. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, as a Heat fan, I'd be very excited. Going back to the note about Lowry, I don't care what his stats are if I'm Heat fans. I care about what he's doing on the court to win. That is what you brought Lowry in to do. I know you're paying him a lot of money, but I'm not expecting him to be the second best player on this team. Like, I'm genuinely not. Yeah, you're we're in bringing a bad in shape a if he's the second yeah.
0: best player. You want right. Bam or Tyler. Yeah, Like,
1: you need Kyle Lowry to be what Drogic was not, which was great defender, um, uh, team guy first. He's going for charges every single play. If he's in the paint <laughs> yeah. and someone's coming at him, he's going to sacrifice his body. He's going to do, do the passing. He's going to do the rebounding. He's going to do a little bit of scoring if you need him to. There's just a guy that's gonna do what you need, and you need those kind of guys because there's honestly, even with the Heat roster that they have right now, nobody else in that roster does what Kyle Lowry does at the guard position. They don't. Um, yeah. What I'm gonna be curious to see going forward um, is how they're gonna shorten this rotation come postseason time. I want to know who's gonna be getting the minutes. I want to know who's playing. I want to know how Oladipo fits into all of this, um, just to see even if there's a right role for him. If I'm being quite honest, because you look at the roster right now, and its I don't know how you fit Oladipo into this without sacrificing minutes to the guys that you want playing on the court. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see moving forward. Again, one game, best way it could have started. Um, but we'll see what happens. Hey, Good signs, good signs.
0: Yeah, really interesting game for the Heat. A lot to look forward to. I think we'll probably move on to talk about Another uh, three dudes fought. Three dudes, one who fought a favorite team, which is the Warriors. So they had a couple yeah. victories so far this week against uh, the Lakers and against the Clippers. So two of the West powerhouses that you kind of look out for. Warriors are kind of showing that they also belong in that conversation, especially in that Laker game. I thought it was really impressive on the road. Uh, you know, really getting it to the Lakers. So uh, I'll get, I'll start with you, Easy. What did you? What was your takeaway from those games? How do you feel about the Warriors two and zero start?
1: So I'm very critical of this team, so if I sound mm-hmm. like I'm being too critical of my favorite team, I'm not. It, I just man. have extremely yeah. high expectations, um, just for what I know that they can be, but I know they're not there yet. Um, this whole season's going to come down to the bench. This whole season is based on bench, and the first game was such a great sign of the bench actually showing what they can do for at least a game. I don't know if it's sustainable at all because we saw yesterday that it wasn't sustainable, that it took Curry to have almost 40 points for them to even stay in the game. And it took two, three pointers with one minute left that were insane in typical Curry fashion. Um, and I don't know if I'm starting to see a regression from Draymond defensively, but if I'm, I, I am concerned. Um, maybe he picks it up. Cause it's just the beginning of the season. And he needs to warm up, but there is going to come a point where Draymond cannot do all the things defensively that he used to do because he relied so much on his athleticism and that's going to start going down eventually. So I don't know if that's the season, if this is the season, it's going to happen, but I mean, if I'm a war, I'm a Warriors fan. I'm happy with the two wins. I'm more than happy with the two wins. Good wins. You need to beat the Lakers and you need to beat the Clippers. These are going to be wins that are going to matter towards the end of the season. When you're fighting for those seeds that are not in the play in you don't want the play in. So um, great wins. Um, the signs are pointing well and yeah, I mean, Curry's going to be an MVP candidate again. I, I, it's, it's, it's insane to think that this guy can get to another level at this point in his career, but like this, this is, we might see the best version of Curry as a star player. This
0: yeah. He, you know, we were texting yesterday after he, that first quarter where he scored 25 and I didn't have the game on, but after I saw he scored 25, I, you know, ran to the nearest TV and put the game on because you just never know. Is he going to yeah. score hundred? Obviously he ended up scoring uh, 45, but uh you know, it's just, he's just so exciting. One of those players that you have to get to your TV to watch. Um But, you know, I, I agree with you. Easy is going to come down to the bench. I think Jordan Poole, uh you know it's giving them something that we just haven't seen from him before this is a yeah. guy that all of a sudden is now a, a dark horse for six men of the year I didn't see that coming yeah. um but he, he is so um you know that Otto Porter was a good addition we've seen uh Juan Toscana Anderson have, have some good moments for them the Elitsa has been in the first game especially he was really good yeah um even guys like Kevon Looney they're getting good contribution from i think i agree with you about the draymond point it feels like every year we're kind of waiting for him to dive off a cliff and it's it's steadily getting that way but yeah you know at the same time there's always in the back of our minds at least in my mind with with the warriors it's, you know i don't see draymond giving 100 percent effort until everybody's back including clay right um so you know We'll wait until playoffs, I guess, really to see what he's made out of. But, yeah. um, you know, two good victories from from those guys. So I agree. Uh, Benny, do you have any any thoughts on on Warriors in general?
2: Nah, I, I agree with everything you guys said. It was really impressive, especially going back to the to the Laker game. There was a lot of hype yeah. around that team because it's oh, yeah. it's almost a whole new team. They and they got the shiny pieces of like uh Russell Westbrook. They got then pairing him up with the the now trio of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and there was a lot going on with that game revolving the Lakers and then for the Warriors to be able to come out and perform the way that they did in both games, I thought was very impressive. The second game I thought was equally as impressive. It was, they played against the, the, the Clippers played better than the Lakers in the mat, in their matchup with the Warriors. But at the same time, the, the Warriors faced a little bit of adversity in the sense that they had like a 19 point lead in this game or yeah. 17 to yes. Yeah. And they lost it for a bit, but they were able to kind of keep going keep going. And in the fourth quarter, they were at one point they were down about nine points. Then they yeah. went on that like 12-0 run. So they're showing a lot of fight for that team. Uh, their offense doesn't really seem to lose a lot of hope, even when Steph is out. It's granted he's not out for very long when he does sit, but they look sort of capable. And then we're supposed to expect Clay coming back uh, at some point this yeah. season. So that should only obviously be only be a positive for this team.
0: Yeah. And I, I you know, that in that first game, especially, I mean, just going to uh, talking about the Lakers now, uh, yeah. you know, I I thought that was really impressive on the Warriors side of things because, uh, the Lakers seemed like even though it felt they weren't giving their best effort or playing their best ball, that they could kind of kick it into the next gear at any moment. I was I was waiting for them to really run away with the game because I thought that's you know they were just a couple you know possessions possessions yeah. away from really yeah taking it taking it off. Um, but the Warriors just kept hanging around, kept hanging around, kept hanging around. And they just kind of wrestled the game away from from the Lakers. The momentum shifted and and the Lakers couldn't get it back. I mean, I don't know if you guys want to go transition to talk about the Lakers now, but uh as as you as we talked about earlier this year when they got Russell Westbrook, we had a lot of red flags for them. I still cho- chose them as my um uh, my finals, finals winners. Winner. Yeah. Uh I just felt that in this game they really just couldn't get a good rotation going together. looks like Vogel's really experimenting. I mean, let me tell you, like I told you guys during the game, uh, that experiment of playing Rondo and Westbrook at the same time, you can just end that right now. That's just, that's yeah. not going to work out. I don't know how that,
2: that thought even comes to your head. It's and you so say it, like, all those coaches on that bench, and you say that's a good idea, guys. It's Let's so bad.
0: That. But that being said, I thought there was some good stuff, especially in the first half. I saw some action where LeBron was just going deep into the block. Uh, as far into the plus as he could against guys like poole or, or Porter. And you had Anthony Davis out in the corner and Russell rust with the ball. And that's really difficult for a defense to contend with. You have three uh, guys at positions with size um, at each a playmaker, each super athletic, um, especially when you talk about Davis out on, out on the wing, dragging whatever big with him, yeah. because you got to respect Davis when he's out, out on the three pointer, um, you know, you can sag off of Russell, but he can just go and drive on you and make a play. Um, so I thought that was really good action, but just, they, they just couldn't get that going consistently. And again, with the rotation, it just left me with a lot of questions. So I'm wondering for, with you easy, how do you feel about the Lakers? Do you think that this game kind of raised a lot of red flags for you, or is it just kind of game one? They'll figure it out.
1: Well, we knew that this team was going to have questions even in the beginning of the season, of what they're going to do rotation wise. Again, Rondo Westbrook was an awful idea, but other than that specific <laughs> rotation, um, everything else, like you're going to need to figure out. And the only way you're going to figure it out is through game time. Yeah. I, I we've alluded to this before, but to me, this is the most important Russell Westbrook season for his career. hundred um, percent agree. This is going to be his make or break. Can he be a part of a championship team? Is and he a winning can, player? He, right. Can he be a positive influence on a team when he's not the guy? Because if that first game was any indication of what's to come, this team is not running anything through him in terms of him as the primary focal point for long periods of time. Maybe there's moments where he plays with a the, with the bench and he has to create the offense. Uh, maybe there's injuries during the season. He's got to do it. But if LeBron and AD are on the floor with him, he will not be a focal point. That is a clear as day thing that we've noticed Mm -hmm. so in the case of Westbrook and it always takes them a while to figure it out in the beginning of the season so like I'm not gonna raise the red flag on that of him being a bad shooter he missed some really open shots like in the paint I think it was like two or three layups that he could have easily made so like we're talking three baskets away from talking about a different conversation so I mean in the case of Westbrook it's gonna take time and again it's gonna be very much up to him and what Vogel does with him to make sure that he's set up in a way that he can be a complimentary player, but not a liability. Um, As for the rest of the roster. Yeah. Like I said, it's going to take some time. You know, it's the first game. They, they let go of that lead too. I, they should not have lost to the bench of the warriors. Um, But you know, first game of the season, we'll see what happens, but that we know, this is going to happen. We're not expecting them to be a one to three seed. We're expecting yeah. them to be in that four to five because it's going to take this amount of time to figure out what's the best fit for everyone and the role. And we haven't even seen Kendrick Nunn play. We haven't seen Trevor Ariza play. Maybe they have a role as well. We don't know. So early on, I wouldn't be too concerned if I'm a Lakers fan.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and it's, it's going to be a, a thing to manage with all the egos, even uh, Carmelo. I felt like Carmelo actually had gave some good minutes, um, but you know, at the end of the day, he's, he's a liability on defense and you know as, as far as the effort goes they really just there are some defensive plays that they just took off so i, I i'm really curious to see if they can manage those egos i mean how, how did you feel about the game for the on the lakers perspective benny uh with all that going on
2: i thought they were really passive especially those three main guys of like yeah. um russell westbrook and uh, lebron and ad they were really passive trying to find each other and make things happen for each other and the rest of the team. You can tell that they didn't want to be in the way of the other. Like Russell Westbrook didn't want to be in the way of LeBron. LeBron, vice versa. He wanted to make Russell Westbrook feel included. And then that kind of obviously Anthony Davis, that's just how he tends to be since he's been playing with LeBron. And I think that kind of threw off, uh, threw off the rhythm of the offense a little bit. So, I, I mean, I still agree with you guys. Obviously it's going to take time and whatever. We'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting season for for Lakers. And if you're a Laker fan, you're going to have to get a lot of patience because uh, there's yeah, a lot this to manage is, there.
1: I mean, this is what we see with every LeBron team that gets new players. It takes time. And, like, we can't underestimate. And I think it goes back to why we pick certain teams in our top three for our predictions. It goes back to why continuity is the most important thing in the regular season. You need – to know your teammates if you're going to have success consistently imagine if like you start a group project and you've only you've never worked with that group before but let's say you do a group project that you've known the people multiple times chances are you already know how everybody works you know how everybody likes their system you know their schedules it's just going to be a lot easier when you know guys that you've been playing with for years that's why we see phoenix suns being good that's why you see denver playing well that's why you see the jazz consistently good that's why you see milwaukee doing well the heat in addition to that for most seasons so like continuity matters and mm-hmm. when it comes to new teams like this where there's like 11 new guys that all are gonna have to play and you don't know what their role is this is what's gonna happen you don't know it so
0: and this no is we'll the, the yeah this is the good and bad part about having lebron as your like star player where he's yeah. such a draw and he can get anybody he wants and he you're gonna want his input in uh roth or personnel even if you don't necessarily agree with it just because you want to keep him happy yeah, you um, have to you have to and you know bringing russell was definitely one of his moves um you know we talked about it uh, in the in the off season when they got russell how you know i felt like buddy healed would have been a better fit or you know i know he wasn't probably the best player that uh, they could have gotten you know but still it's just when you talk about issues of fit and what lebron wants it doesn't necessarily always align uh with the roster so uh this is kind of you know, you get what you get when it comes to LeBron and his decision. So, Absolutely. it's it's got to be something to track as the year goes on. Um, but yeah, is there uh, any other game that stuck out to you guys uh, during this week? It's only been like three days, but it's been
1: a lot of NBA action already. Yeah, Benny, I don't know if you had any games that you had because I could go off you, but I can I I could just start if you want.
2: I w- I did watch the um the Suns and the mm. and the Nuggets game. Yeah, and. Obviously, you know, we preface that it's just one game and that, yeah. you know, the Nuggets shouldn't feel that they're favorites to win the confer- the Western Conference because they just beat the Western At Conference all. finalists. Exactly. And the Phoenix Suns shouldn't be thinking that their season is over because they lost to a team that they swept right. in the second round. Right. right? That the yeah. season's going to be any different. It was kind of like going back to the point that I was talking about with the Heat earlier and the Bucks. how for Phoenix, they saw it as just kind of another game, whereas Denver definitely wanted to come out where Denver was like, you know, they swept our shit, and they made us eat it, and like that. Yeah, so liked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, they asked us but, how it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's 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 kind of what you want to preface it when you're talking about this right. game. I thought for um for Denver for Denver, their bench was up and down that Mike Malone made a very poor decision that I'm glad he corrected in the second half where, and we were talking about it with, I was talking about it with easy earlier, how it was just an all bench lineup basically. Yeah. And it wasn't, and it looked terrible, awful, awful, awful. awful. And I'm glad that, um, I don't know if you agree easy, but at least I thought that Mike Malone kind of made it better or made it look better by throwing more to make it worse. Right. (laughs) It was really bad. Um, but when he started, he he was inserting Will Barton with the second unit, and Will Barton played well, and then the second unit was able to kind of keep up a little bit more, and then later it was kind of MPJ as well. It was just about, it was just, Mike Malone was struggling to, like the term is staggering, right? Staggering yeah. your best players with, when they're not playing with their co-stars, right? So MPJ playing with the second unit, giving Jokic a rest while still, you know, keeping the offense in a flow. Will Barton was able to take on that role as well, as I mentioned, and he was able to kind of correct it that's why the second half was much better for denver i think i'm pretty sure phoenix also had a big lead in this game at one point double digit lead and mike malone i've heard this multiple times uh denver fans complaining that mike malone tends to be stubborn with his rotations and things like that but you know it was good to see in the second half that he was kind of able to at least to his credit um steer steer the game a little bit more if not i think this would have been a phoenix blowout uh, in, interesting for Denver, I thought, I think MPJ's development is looking pretty good. He had a career high in assists. I didn't write it down. I should have, but he did have a career high in <laughs> assists, or at least he tied it. <laughs> yeah. He was, um, yeah. Something that I was seeing that he was doing before was he was making the extra pass. A lot of yeah. times the ball gets to MPJ and that's where it ends. That's right. where it lands for Denver. 100%. Right. He was making the extra pass defensively. He obviously still has room to work on, but. There were moments in the game where he was in the right place, right time. Obviously, there was moments where he wasn't, but that's already better than it was last year. He only took 10 shots a game, but it's if you didn't know that, you would think that he took more because it, mm-hmm. he did have a noticeable impact on the game. Right. And the shot looks smooth like he usually does. And, you know, the thing with him that he's kind of learning is that there's always something to do on the court. Mm-hmm. You hear Eric, Eric yeah. Spolscher say this a lot. There's always something for you to do on the court when like your main thing isn't working out. And you saw that with MPJ where he was making the extra pass. He was making a better effort defensively and it was coming off for him. Uh, For Phoenix, Devin Booker was really bad and pretty much everybody on this team was, was played, played poorly. Um, Definitely not. Devin Booker was a minus 24 actually, which is really bad. You're not beating anybody when you're the guy that's supposed to be your best player is a minus 24. And it was a close game, too. It's not like the Denver Nuggets blew him out, right? Yeah, they came out flat for sure. Exactly. And, And, but then again, it was only game one, right? So you're going to expect better from him. DeAndre Aiden, he, I wrote it down two points, two rebounds in the second half. It's just not good enough, especially when you're complaining about wanting a max contract. I, you could, you could put that a little bit on the usage that Monty Williams was kind of employing for him in the second half. Maybe the plays just weren't meant to be run through him, and that could go to Mani yeah. as well. Whereas maybe because Aiden did play well and he looked, he did look good in the first uh in the first half. Whereas perhaps maybe they should have used him a little bit more in the second half. Defensively, he to me he looked rough, but then again, still did the whole team. Yeah. I and oh, just, just as a side note, because I know they got Shammer, they brought in Shaman as their new guy. I thought he looked pretty nice. Yeah, I think he'll be useful good. for them.
1: He he he's he's a three point shooter, like that's what yeah. they need. Um, couple notes on Nugget's sons the nugs bench isn't going to do it. It's just not like long-term. This is not a bench that's sustainable for playoffs. And we saw it last year and we're going to see it again this year because all they did was add Jeff green, which I like Jeff green, but if your starting lineup is already kind of bench players already in the starting lineup, if you think about it, you have Monte Morris, which I love him. I think he's a great backup point guard. I just don't think he's a starting point guard. Will Barton's not going to shoot the lights out every night because we've seen it before. Um, Aaron Gordon's great. I like him, but he's not a world beater either. And then who else do you have? Uh, Michael Porter, which you're hoping he becomes this offensive starlet um, that can carry you every night as a second scorer. So I got kind Austin of an, Rivers. As much as we really like him. Right. PJ yeah. Dozier. I don't know yeah. why he's getting minutes. Um, yeah. I. We have to see what this Nuggets bench. I don't trust it. Personally. Austin
2: Rivers is putting up way too many breaks also.
1: Right. And like he'll change that because I know how Austin Rivers is. He like, Goes through waves of like not shooting right. once he knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the Nuggets, I still have him ahead, but like I have my questions, I have my reservations about that. I just go with the continuity more than anything else that they're going to be fine. And then for the Suns, I know Devin Booker had a really bad game, but in the future, Mikael Bridges cannot have more shots than Devin Booker. Why is Mikael Yeah, Mikhail that really Bridges, stood out to me. That really stood yeah. out to me in the Why box. Why is Mikael Bridges? I know he just got this contract four years, 90 you want to have like, I know you want him to have some sort of scoring role. Mm hmm. But in no semblance of the universe are you going to win games if Devin Booker is not taking more shots than Mikhail Bridges. I, I'm pretty sure Mikhail Bridges had the most shots out of everybody on the team, too. So he did. Yeah. Unless my guy is having like an awesome night where he's like over 50%, he is not taking that many shots. So those are my notes on the game. Um again, first game of the season, but like, you know, question. All of this is questions. But good start for Denver, but not I left with more questions about Denver after that win than I did with like feeling good
0: yeah and you wonder you know when it comes to the issues of like deandre ayton not getting his extension yeah. you know how that's gonna play out the rest of the year i mean he, he had an okay game it just felt like the whole team was off and at the end of the day like i 100 agree with what you said you can have bridges taking 16 shots and yeah. booker you know he only took he, he took he took 15 but you know the other thing about bridges i want to say too is you know he want him to not do more than what he did uh, his responsibilities have been which is to be a three and d guy um so if he's going to take 16 shots i would hope that most of those are occurring from three um but you know he was two of six from three you really want to if, if if you're saying okay have more shots just take them from the outside take 10 shots yeah. from, from three-point range you know go go for it you really don't want him to be trying to make something happen off the dribble that's just not his role at all. so yeah you know at the end of the day i, I think we'll, it's game one like you guys said so i'll be
2: right back guys yeah Sorry. Yeah, no, no, worries, no worries. You guys go ahead. Yeah,
0: yeah, no worries. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, it's just week one, like we've been saying. So I'm sure that there'll be more to to yeah. watch. Were there any uh standout performances that you wanted to make note of? Yeah. Uh, before we kind of wrap up
1: here. For sure, for sure. So, yeah. Pacers Hornets, great game, fantastic way to start the season. This was one of the early window games. Um, Lamelo Ball was wild. Yeah, <laughs> that guy was on. I don't know what it was, but that team needs to play him all the minutes. All the minutes need to go to that man, mm-hmm. um, Duarte. I hated that pick, but turns out Indiana has no one who can score besides Brogden <laughs> and Sabonis. So Duarte yeah. is their guy until Karis Levert comes Duarte, back. Duarte, man. What a um, and when you have Justin Holiday, Tory Craig, and Jeremy Lamb, you're definitely not getting scoring from them. 100. Um, so Hornets. The only note I have about the Hornets. Defense is non-existent on that team. They have no defense at all. Like I'm telling you, it does not exist. Lamelo Ball, you have um, all these other guys. You have PJ Rozier, Washington, Miles yeah. Bridges, Rozier. Defense is going to be a huge issue, issue going forward, even oh, from yeah. the big man perspective. You only know, have Plumlee. They don't have any. They don't play he's any of the a, bigs besides PJ. Big.
0: He's not a defensive so big. Yeah.
1: This is going to be a huge hole for the Hornets, in my opinion. Um, other than that game, Bulls look great against the Pistons but again Pistons um Zach Levine looked very comfortable even with DeRozan on the court Mm -hmm. their bench is going to be a problem um Chicago's bench needs to figure it out because Caruso is great as a bench player so I'm not worried about him yeah but there's not a lot on that like it's going to be a heavy reliance on the starters and I think that's going to be very evident throughout the season so we don't know how that's going to play out but that bench needs to
0: I agree. I, th- I think the key for the Bulls is going to be the bench. Um, yeah. Another performance, I, I just got to shout, shout out my guy, John Morris. I mean, the guy had 37 the other day, looking like, you know, that evolution of Derrick Rose, John Wall, Russell, mm. like early Russell, you know, yeah. just that super athletic point guard. But the thing about him is that he actually has a shot. So, you know, yeah. that's something that, uh, you know, I just feel like he can really break out this year. And yeah. the whole, you know, I, I'm high on the Grizzlies this year. I picked – uh, Triple J as my most approved. So, yeah. you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, my
1: only note for the Grizz, yeah. and like this is a future problem that they're going to have, mm-hmm. they need a second guy. Yes. Jaron Jackson's yes. not going to be the second guy. I think we can agree he's no. going to be good. If You want to be playing. your third guy. You want to be your right. Chris Bosh. You, That's you can't you want be to your be. second guy because mm-hmm. we know how it is with big men nowadays. It's hard, no. unless you're like AD yeah. or Giannis, a big Jokic, man is not really yeah. how you want your second best player to be. So mm-hmm. I don't know who they're going to be able to get during a trade or anything like that, they got to figure that out. Um, yeah. Yeah. A couple other notes. Um, Rockets, it's going to be a long season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to oh, be an yeah, incredibly but... long season if you're losing to the Timberwolves by that much. Shout um, out to the
0: new owner of the, the Rockets, uh, Anthony Edwards. Yeah. You know, congratulations. Yeah, Anthony for... Edwards, congrats <laughs> on owning
1: the Rockets. The owning and
0: coaching the Rockets, calling the time out for them. <laughs> I will
1: say that Cat D'Lo, Anthony Edwards – Trio mm-hmm. is what we expected yeah. Kat, Jimmy, and Wiggins yes. to look like. I'm actually um, really
0: excited for the Wolves. Like, I mean, again, that's what we react on game one. Right. Like, dude, that trio, you know, if I, they stay there could healthy, be a lot of trios that do really mm-hmm. well against Houston, like you said. But If yeah, they
1: like, are healthy, I like that trio as a team. To make play in at least, I know they should move to Seattle. Anyways, they they'll oh, probably yeah. be a sorry. winning team if they move to Seattle. They would be, but yeah. since they're in Minnesota, they're a play in. Um, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, shout out Pelicans. If you know me from draft day, when Tyler Hero got drafted, you know I've been liking this guy, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Yes, I yes. am on that guy. He's finally gonna get a role with Zion out for a few weeks, and now it's not as clogged in the bench with guards. Um, Nikhil Alexander Walker, name to watch, had a pretty decent game scoring. Um, Other than that, Magic, you need to play Mo Bamba more. Um, Dude, Mo Bamba, hey,
0: he's turning into something. He's not a meme anymore.
1: It's a weird combo that they're trying with Bamba and Wendell Carter at the four. Mm -hmm. But, like,
0: I I mean, if you have –
1: and they have no other big men. So, like, you you have to play them. finally
0: cleared their million big men lineup. Right. So, So like, play
1: Bamba more. Someone needs to develop a shot as a big man because this team is too guard-heavy in reliance of scoring someone mm-hmm. needs to be able to score as a big so hopefully it's one dollar bomba. we don't know we haven't seen bomba enough to know whether or not he could be a score so we'll see um and then yeah with the jazz i would say the, the the goal stays the same the team is very consistent the team is very solid they're great all around they just gotta win in playoffs um and i guess the last note because this was mm-hmm. part of our predictions king's yeah. gang kings, king's gang rise
0: Harrison Barnes, 30.9.
1: What was that? And that crazy. I note that they kept bringing up, which I found hilarious. Davion Mitchell yeah. has not lost in a Kings jersey ever. Oh,
0: hell yeah.
1: All preseason games, he's won. He just won the first one against the Blazers. I know oh, we're really? low on the Blazers. Oh, wow. We are low on the Blazers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Davion Mitchell with that winning culture. We've got Tristan Thompson with a winning mentality from Cleveland. We have guys on this team with the Kings. that Rashawn against- Holmes played well. Rashawn Holmes had a great game. Yeah. De'Aaron Fox is showing. Mm-hmm. signs of life as a star um which you, he's already a star but like you know maybe he can be that guy maybe he could be a John Morant that takes him to the play-in we don't know um so very excited for the Kings this year if you're a Kings fan oh yeah Peter rise shout up. out you and I rise Kings gang um second jersey's incoming other than that I know we didn't cover Knicks and Celtics but oh that um, was a great game uh, that was that a great was a game, game. Yeah. um I think RJ Barrett is gonna get better um yep. I think he still has room for improvement, which is kind of against what everybody was thinking when he came in. They thought this was kind of it, but he keeps improving. He keeps showing that he is good.
0: And you know what, Mitch, if you have Mitchell Robinson on your fantasy team, you're probably feeling really good about that 17 yeah. rebound. So he's, he's somebody that they have been hoping would be, would progress into, you know, a, a big, who can play yeah. a lot of minutes. And I think, I think that's what he's getting to. So um, I think we'll leave it at that. Uh, yeah. Lots of good stuff to look forward to. Uh, we'll probably do a little roundup every now and then throughout the season, just like this podcast. Where we talk about all these key games and, you know, we're going to keep our eye on Ben and, and Kyrie. Uh, we're yeah. going to keep an eye on our predictions. So stick with us here at Three Dudes One Hoop on behalf of Benny, I'm Mike, and Amazing. that's easy. So yeah. catch you on the next time. See ya.